The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of the Forever Young cast. I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and I'm joined by Miss Jupiter Julep. Hello. How are you? Well, and you? I'm good, thank you. And we are joined by our co-host, Miss Halisa. What's going on, Halisa? I'm good. How are y'all? We're good. We're good. Gonna let everybody know that you can find Forever Young Cast on CSPN at CSPN.us. So, Miss Jupiter Julep, before we get started, let everybody know where they can find you on Twitter and interact with you and all that good stuff. Okay, so you can find me on Twitter at Jupiter Julep24. And Helisa, give your Twitter information as well. It's gonna be Madam Lizette, L A Z E T. All right, and you can follow me on Twitter at Don Delorente. So, ladies, we're here to talk about the Mae Young Classic, as this year they're going to release the episodes a week at a time so we can actually comment and have a show strictly for the Mae Young Classic. I didn't want to gum up the regular episode of the WrestleCast with too many reviews because it would make the show much longer than an hour or an hour and 15 minutes. So thank you, ladies, for agreeing to join me on this adventure for the next few weeks as we talk about the Mae Young Classic. So we'll start off with the very first episode that took place this past week. We have Michael Cole, Beth Phoenix, and Renee Young on the commentary team. So first and foremost, how do y'all feel about the commentary team? So I'll start with Madam Lizette. Halisa, how do you feel? I was surprised to see Michael Cole. I was excited to see Renee. Um, And Beth Phoenix is growing on me. Mm. so that's kind of where I'm at with it like I like how excited she is for the women and I like how she kind of uh, tries to focus on herself and like where she's come from and like being here and like the magnitude of the event but I kind of tune her out when I'm listening to the show or when I'm watching the show so because I don't see her on 205 Live because I don't usually watch 205 Live and I haven't really seen much of anything else she's done like the Mixed Max Challenge and stuff like that like I'm like oh Beth you're not bad maybe you'll get better and we'll go from there I like Renee she's exciting and Michael Cole actually didn't like make too many mistakes so I was happy about that <laughs> alright Jupiter Julep your thoughts on the commentary team I liked it um, I think that having a veteran like Michael Cole to to hold their hand a little bit uh, is a good thing to let, uh, especially because Renee said, Hey, I want to be back in the booth. Um, I think that she will continue to grow on, or just in general. And I was really surprised by Beth Phoenix. I didn't know she was on 205 live doing commentary. I think I've seen her on there like once or twice, but I don't think she does it very often. Yeah. She was Um, doing more of the mismatch challenge when that was a thing. Oh, Okay. So I think what they were doing was because she was doing it for the mix match, mix match challenge, and that was going on 
after Raw or after SmackDown. I think they were having her like maybe kind of sit in for a little bit. So I remember seeing her on there like once mm-hmm. or twice, but like not that often. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I didn't watch much of the mixed match challenge because we get enough wrestling as it is. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I don't really want thirty more minutes, and I have to like go to Facebook TV to watch it. I'm good. <laughs> like. Yeah. I would just watch, you know, like whatever little short videos they put online and go, oh, that wasn't bad and keep going. Mm -hmm. I did the same thing. And I'll also say uh, about, for lack of a better term, this evolution uh, with females on the booth and doing different things is I hope they continue that trajectory and hire female writers to tell better stories for the females that we see in NXT doing the Mixed Mix Challenge on Raw, on SmackDown, hopefully 205 Live and beyond. I agree. I'm with that. All right. So to start off, we get a video profile on our first two competitors of the night, Tegan Knox and Zatara. Tegan Knox was supposed to quali- uh, participate in last year's Mix, uh, May Young Classic, but she tore her knee right before the uh, the tapings were supposed to start, so she could not make it. And Zatara is the first woman from Chile to ever compete in the WWE. So this was a really cool matchup of different type of styles. We start out with Tegan Knox. She goes up top and she hits a high cross body block and she gets two count. Zatara cuts uh, Tegan Knox off and follows up with a missile drop kick. The corner knees follow and Zatara covers and she gets two count. Tegan Knox avoids some strikes and then she hits the shining wizard and Tegan Knox gets the win. So she's the first person to advance to the second round. Um, they seem really high on her. Michael Cole mm-hmm. for sure was like, you know, while she's one to watch. So we'll start mm-hmm. with Jupiter Julep. Your thoughts on Tegan Knox versus Zatara. Uh, the note that I had next to her name was final four. I agree with they seem to be really high on her, her presentation, the footage that they had uh, of her uh, when she was injured. And, you know, this is a conversation of how Triple H spoke about her. I and also she's from the UK, right? I'm not sure about that. I, I think it's I thought they said she was Irish or maybe from the Netherlands. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah, because I think I wrote UK. Well, either way, I know that wasn't she also uh, a part of their European brand? I know that she wasn't on. I know Killer Kelly was on the UK show. I'm not sure if Tegan Knox was or not. You're right. She's from the UK. She is Welsh. Okay. And I'm- apparently she is going to be in NXT UK. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when they really start putting that on television. And so, and I'm thinking that she's probably going to be a star there and they need to establish her so that uh, when they do promotions like Evolution uh, and they bring people in or the Warrior Rumble, hopefully that, that is something that they will continue to do, that they need those people uh, that are recognizable and can get a pop. So I think she's going to the final four and I did like her. Uh, I like Zatara a little bit better, but I did like uh, Tegan Knox, and I can definitely see the appeal and her potential. Okay. Halisa, your thoughts on Tegan Knox getting her first victory in the May Young Classic? I was excited to see her because 
she we they've been talking about this story about how she was supposed to compete last year and she couldn't because of her ACL. So watching her wrestle and everything, I found it to be kind of exciting. I like her a little bit more than Dakota Kai, who is like her best friend. Um, I think Dakota can be a little bit too smiley. Tegan mm-hmm. had like a lot of heart that she was putting out there, and you could really tell like she was really driven and like you said I kind of have her like okay you if you don't make it to the finals like the semi-finals then I feel like it's a bust because you really you can tell the WWE or at least Triple H just put a lot behind her I did like Zatara um just seeing her wrestle and everything and not really knowing much about her and the fact that she's the first Chilean to like being a WWE ring is really important too I thought they had a good match um but I think that Tegan shine more and I kind of knew just from coming into it and then like how they did the introduction and just her um, overall reception that Tegan was going to get the win. Um, Which I guess is okay. <laughs> yeah, they had a really good match. I thought they went back and forth. Uh, Zatara got to show some of her Lucha style and Tegan Knox got to show some of her British style going into the different moves and transitions. So I thought they had a really good match. Next, we get video profiles on our next two competitors, who are Rhea Ripley and MJ Jenkins. Rhea Ripley's story is she competed last year in the uh, May Young Classic, and she didn't kick out when she was probably supposed to. Um, she got like side suplexed and got pinned, and her shoulder stayed down. And MJ Jenkins is a uh, black girl magic from mm-hmm. Brooklyn, right? <laughs> Brooklyn or yeah, Brooklyn? Yeah, yes, yep. Brooklyn. She's the Afrolicious Diva, so that's yeah. all you need to know about her. So a lot of energy, a lot of charisma for her. So we get into the match. MJ Jenkins, she misses a charge, but then she hits a head kick and springboards in with the missile drop kick and covers for a two count. Rhea Ripley then counters another head kick, and then she hits the pump handle power bomb, and Rhea Ripley gets the win. So Miss Elisa, your thoughts on this match, MJ Jenkins and Rhea Ripley? So I was really looking forward to Rhea Ripley because I I liked her last year. Um, she had a lot of spunk, and I think she's gonna be a great heel. And she's really, really young. Like I think she's barely 21, 22. Like she's really, really young. So I was really excited to like see her and watch the match. But then MJ Jenkins like got the like she got the sauce. I don't know. I liked her theme music. I liked her walk to the ring. I just liked her little persona. The fro was popping. I was like, you know what? This is going to be fun. And so watching them, you could tell that Rhea really had a lot that she wanted to prove, which was just like, I have gotten better. I am not the same, like, hot shotty kid from last year. Like, I came to dominate. So I don't know if they're going to put her in, like, the final four, but... I think that she might make it to like the last, the elite eight in a form. Um, but I think it was a good showing for both of them. I want to see more of MJ Jenkins, really. Like, I want to see if I can catch some YouTube clips or something because I I really liked her and her character and I liked them together. Rhea was just way more dominating and she healed it up and I was with it. I love a good heel. So I was for it. Hashtag heal life. Life. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Jupiter Julep, uh, your thoughts on Rhea Ripley and her win moving on to the next round of the Mae Young Classic? Then you know I want to talk about MJ Jenkins. Uh, so <laughs> the only thing I wrote about Rhea Ripley was Diesel. I, when I saw her come out with the outfit and everything, I was like, oh, Diesel. 
Um, so let's talk about hey, don't be, don't be, don't be, you know, let's talk Silver Fox now. Come on now. I, there's nothing wrong with it. It was just like, that's what, that's who and what I saw. I mean, and just think about the career Kevin Nash has had, you know, that's from true. Diesel. So, you know, but that is what I saw when she came out. Like, oh, Diesel. And then there was MJ Jenkins. Her character is really clear because the first thing she was on, she said, I wrote down, uh, MJ Jenkins is a whole lot of third person uh, because she said, MJ Jenkins is going to do this and MJ Jenkins is going to do that. And I think she said, MJ Jenkins is a whole lot of woman. And I thought, oh, Fla- Foxy Cleopatra yes. from Awesome Powers 3. So when she came out to the Beyonce-esque music, I said, Look. oh, she has got a full character where she knows exactly who she is. And then the booty shake, I was like, oh, she ain't going to win because that, that was just too much ass. But I mean, <laughs> they just wasn't resting. No, they're not ready for that today. Um, so I knew that, but I also could see the spark and the potential. And um, it was, it's also interesting to, to know that she was trained by the Dudleys. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I also want to know, I, th- I also wrote, I could see her as a heel who sprays Afro Sheen in the faces of her opponents. And I want to know if her finishing move is a soul glow. Like, I can just see <laughs> all of <laughs> the, the character development that she could so do. She's, with so character. she's full black exploitation. I'm with it. Wait, can we put her with like Velveteen Dream? Make them a duo? Listen, I have, I have pairs, like, because I can see <laughs> that. So, like, I don't know. I don't. I don't think that Velveteen, I mean, Velveteen Dream, I know they got the third person, but he is so self-centered that I don't like, I can just hear him saying Velveteen does not work in teams. You know, like, no, the dream isn't. That's true. Doesn't That's true. Those. That's true. Um, I, yeah, but I really, really liked her. Um, I knew she wasn't going to win, but I could just see the character in the after or past or through the man classic. Yeah, she's definitely someone that they need to try to scoop up and get into their system because she has what most people lack right off. And you de- you said it perfect, a defined character with the charisma to go with it. So the wrestling part, she can definitely do that as well. But the character is a big part in WWE and she definitely has a hold of that. So good luck to MJ Jenkins and whatever she does going forward. She definitely uh, showcased herself very well in this match. She did. Yes, amen. This is the Forever Young cast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So we're going to move on to our next match where we had Lacey Lane versus Vanessa Craven. The profiles are Lacey Lane used to be a Division II basketball player for Shaw University. She was the point guard on a team that won the national championship. And Vanessa Craven is like, a six foot one woman who was very impressive, very strong, uh, very intimidating. So Lacey Lane versus Vanessa Craven. Lacey Lane hits a running knee strike. Craven cuts Lacey off with a black hole slam for a two count. Craven misses a cannonball and Lacey Lane follows up with uh, right hands. And then she hits a crucifix bomb and Lacey Lane gets the win. So Miss Jupiter Julep, your thoughts on Lacey Lane versus Vanessa Craven. Okay, so you're going to have to excuse my terminology. But what I wrote down uh, in terms of Lacey Lane was tragic mulatto. Why was her story? Yeah, I said it. Why was her story like I'm a biracial child and there was bullying and all this, all of this implied racism? I don't even know. But that is what they went 
before that I am biracial and therefore I had issues. But say what now? I mean, you like you said, the they, the girl, they said that she led her team to a division two team at Shaw University to a championship. You didn't want to go from I'm small but mighty or whatever it is, or I'm driven or none of that. It was tragic mulatto. So I don't know what to say about that other than good Lord, sis, uh, you need some better character development and writing. Her look though was very similar to Ember Moon's. Like when she came out with the braids, with the color context, well, I, you know, maybe they're not color context, but you know, with the eyes, with the uh, the mouth guard. I mean, I saw her and I thought, oh, they would be an interesting tag team. I also thought that uh, Vanessa Craven could tag very well with Nia Jax and that they could be almost like the Twin Towers of just, you know, or what was it? What did what was the tag team with uh, the Big Show and uh, Undertaker? The Brothers of Destruction? The Brothers of Destruction. I thought that was Kane and Undertaker. Oh, that was brother. Okay, who did you say in Undertaker? Big Show. Oh, I don't know. I don't even think they had a name. They, so, I don't think they did. But then, like, they had like that whole Andre and Big Show thing. That Big Show was Andre's kid or whatever. Lord, I can't remember what it was. I can't remember what the uh, that was WCW storyline. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember what they called them though. But yeah, the giant. I think. Well, either yeah, way, I mean, aesthetically, like that, yeah. Yeah, I I could see those two, you know, like if WWE went for a women's tag team division, I could see Lacey Lane and Ember Moon being a tag team quite easily. And I could also see Vanessa Craven and Nia Jax being a tag team easily as well. I will say that um, Vanessa Craven had pretty good physicality. I mean, the story that they were telling, Michael Cole said it in the beginning, it was David and Goliath, uh, where Lacey Lane had a lot of energy. Um, And... It, I think the story was supposed to be her small energy was supposed to make the big clumsy giant stumble. And unfortunately what we saw was that some of her energy was a little too hard to contain even for herself. So I know that she signed to WWE. She will only get better. So she's got a lot of athleticism and she uh, with Lacey Lane, I could see her teaming well with men. I think they said she wasn't a, ring with men but um if they ever did alusha underground real mixed match things i could see her really uh doing like putting together an interesting program uh with some other styles of wrestlers i think all right halisa your thoughts on lacey lane and vanessa craven so I kind of thought the same thing about lacey lane which was like oh we're gonna dredge up the i'm a mixed kid who had a hard life <laughs> and I was just like, that's where we're going with that. Like we couldn't do anything else because you're you're telling me you had a hard life, but in the same breath, you're like, but I led my team to a championship. So it takes <laughs> a lot of heart. Da, da, da. And I did watch Bracketology. And so when they interviewed her on there, I was just like, mm, still not sure. Cause Marl made a point to be like, so you're mixed. And I was just like, we don't have, why do we have to talk about that? Like yeah. mixed kids pop up all the time. We don't live in like the 50s this is a normal thing now mixed kids are a thing and so that was that was interesting i now that you said something jupiter julep i realized that she does give me ember vibes and that might be while i was like i don't know like i like you but (laughs) like can we get rid of the color contacts i don't well if they're not contacts my bad i mean whatever we're doing with like the green hair what great i don't know 
fix it. <laughs> like, someone fix it. Because even, like, Ember was at the show, and I was like, man, she is still wearing that red and orange yellow weave. And I just, somebody needs to help her. We need to get it together. But the match <laughs> itself, the crucifix is one of my favorite finishers. So when she hit that, I was like, oh, this is great. Like, I was blown away. Imagine, mm-hmm. like, I was like, oh, this is fantastic. Because I love that finish. I think that when it's done right, it is, it's, it can be a knockout. And it can really be one of those, like, people never kick out of this finisher type deal. So I did enjoy that. I agree with you, too, that she had a whole bunch of energy that she needs to learn how to contain and control. And Vanessa Craven, I, while she is, like, a giant, I didn't find her to be, like, super clunky. Because I've seen some people mm-hmm. where you're like, wow, you were really clunky in the ring. It's just because you're big. I didn't find her to be super clunky. So I feel like if she does decide that she wants to like pursue this or maybe join the WWE, she can hone in on that and become a little bit more fluid in the ring, even though she is so big. Kind of like Piper Nevin was last year. Because like Piper Nevin was super imposing last year. But she she's not super clunky to be a bigger girl. Um, I did say that Vanessa like Vanessa Craven was gorgeous but imposing I, that's what I got from her like I thought she was really cute I liked the horn look that she was going with um mm-hmm. and everything and so the match itself was actually pretty good I would say it was probably my second favorite match of the show um besides the one we're going to talk about next yeah and, I uh, I think they did a good job. I just think they probably need a little bit more time in the ring with each other. And like, shout out to Vanessa Craven for liking my tweet about her. Um, <laughs> she just liked it like within the last hour, so I had to throw that in. I was like, "Hey guys, they see us." So yeah, that's what I thought about that match and about those two. Yeah, I thought it was a really good match. Um, Lacey Lane's got a lot of potential. Um, once she learns how to slow down just a little bit, I think she'll be just fine. And uh, Vanessa Craven definitely has a very WWE type look. So I'm pretty sure that if they can, that she'll definitely be a part of the company uh, in the coming years, if they can get her involved in the uh, performance center. So I think both of those ladies had a great match and they showed very well. Next, we get a a Natalia interview. She's honored to be here to watch the Mae Young Classic. And she says that she's rooting for Mia Yim and Io Shirai. Two good choices. Very good choices. Mm-hmm. We get video profiles for Miko Satamora and Killer Kelly. Uh, Miko Satamora, they show her um, wrestling as a like a 15 or 16 year old kid on Nitro like 20 years ago. And she talks about how she was so young and just, you know, happy to be there that, you know, she got beat in like a minute or whatever. Just a squash match. And then Killer Kelly, um, you know, they showed her. She uh, participated in the UK women's match that they had. I think I had a three-way or four-way during that event. And then they showed highlights of her competing in that match. So Miko Satomura versus Killer Kelly. Killer Kelly looks for the spider German off of the ropes, but instead she gets a hanging dragon sleeper that she has to release by the five count. Killer Kelly releases the sleeper and then follows with kicks and hits the corner drop kick. The fisherman suplex follows for two, and then Kelly lays in strikes, but Sotomore cuts her off with the Pele kick. Sotomore then hits the Death Valley driver, and Miko Sotomore moves on to the next round. So this was definitely the match of the night between these two mm-hmm. ladies, and Halisa, mm-hmm. I'll let you share your thoughts next. So, um, Miko was amazing. That's all, like, mm-hmm. I was blown away. And, like, no, no like, 
not even knocking Killer Kelly because Killer Kelly, like the way she came out to the ring, like her whole speeds, her healing it up too. Like she was amazing too. But Mika was just like so just I was blown away. I need to go back and rewatch the match. That's kind of how I feel because I like I was watching these while I was at work, and so I stopped working and just focused on the match. I was just like, this is amazing. Like. I was blown away. It's kind of how I felt when Tessa Blanchard wrestled last year. It's like, damn, this match should have probably went on like further down the line because I feel like I'm being gypped. Like, we got this out in the first round. What, what's going to happen next? Like, is Miko about to just come through and dominate everyone? And <laughs> Kelly, like, I, look, I'm just like, okay, so Miko is final. Like, Miko's final. She's top two. I don't care. Like, I really am like, you know, she can win it. It's cool. I, like, I love Oscar so much, but Miko, I was just like, Oscar, I'm sorry, girl. Like, I'm sorry. She's amazing. The match was so good. I enjoyed it a lot. And, and Killer Kelly, you can tell that she was just, like, really emotional at the end. And you could tell she gave it her all. But she just, she can't hang. Like, it's a legend. And I love that everyone, the way they were talking about Miko was just, like, everyone wants to beat her. Like, the rite of passage in Japan is to wrestle her and hopefully beat her. That in itself just speaks like mounds of like how important she is to Japanese wrestling for women and just what kind of character and wrestler that she is. So I'm looking forward to seeing her. She is, for me, like number one contender, finals, MVP, whatever. Like she's great. Good match. Okay. Jupiter Julep? I concur. Uh, The things that I wrote, down about her talked about her grace and her confidence and what I liked was like everyone did speak with her with respect and reverence and then Miko got in the ring and backed it up and so what I saw with Killer Kelly is someone almost like this is a star making a match for her because if you weren't sure about her she got in the ring with Miko held her own made you know the the match was great they both look good. They mm-hmm. both look strong. And I think that mm-hmm. speaks volumes for Killer Kelly. I will say that, like you, Halissa, it was almost like, okay, where do you go from Miko? And I think that it will come down to a bracket with Miko versus EO. I think oh. that, and I think that EO will win because EO is signed to WWE. And I think that Miko will go back to Japan where she has her, her promotion and the work that she does. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that's where it's heading, but I think that that EO versus Miko match is going to be everything. And I think that, that that's my prediction. All right. So that was the first round of the May Young Classic. Very entertaining. Great um, you know, opening episode with a fantastic main event. Those last two matches were definitely... Um, two good showcases, and then Tegan Knox finally getting a chance to participate in the event was definitely um, a feel-good story as well. So I'll give it up to Halisa for your you know final thoughts on the episode and shout-outs and thank yous. Um, I would say thank you guys for having me on. Um, episode one was great. I'm happy that they're doing it week by week instead of giving us four, ma- or four shows a week because that was a lot of wrestling to cram in um and i think that the matches got lost in the shuffle so now like i get a week to kind of reflect on this one and we'll get ready for the next one next week um shout outs of course to my best friend who got me into wrestling 
uh, Don, thank you. Jupiter Julep, thank you. Uh, Baycast for supporting me be on the show again. I'm excited and uh, can't wait to talk more wrestling. All right. Thank you for joining us, Elisa. Miss Jupiter Julep, turn it over to you for your final thoughts on the episode and your shout outs and thank yous. Um, yeah. So I wrote down a few things. The first thing is I did appreciate uh, the use of women uh, throughout the episode. So we had we discussed the fact that we had Beth Phoenix and Renee Young on the commentary booth. There was Charlie Caruso doing bracketology. Kayla Braxton is the announcer. You do have one female referee whose name I missed. And because I, I actually made a note about that because the first match was done by a man and like he was checking the boots and stuff. I'm like, what? They don't have any women backstage. So they <laughs> do have one. And I'm glad. And at one time or another, I think we need to discuss when Triple H became synonymous with women's wrestling because he is. Um, and it's when he hired Sarah D'Amato to become the number one trainer. She's really the one that's like, behind everything triple h is just a person who pushed it and was like hey these girls are good enough to be in main events and to end these nxt shows and so since he's got that type of stroke he could get them in places that they hadn't been before but the real person behind how good the women are is sarah damato and i'm wondering why it isn't stephanie mcmahon oh because she's not training nobody (laughs) <laughs> no, but I mean, that's like synonymous with women's wrestling in that you have what the women did at NXT. You have now the Women's Warrior Rumble. You have Evolution. You have the women's, uh, I think they are calling it the Evolution and now the pay-per-view Evolution or whatever we may think it of it. It's now um, in existence where, they, where WWE is shining a light on women's wrestling in a way that they hadn't really before. And the person getting the praise and the credit for it is Triple H. And I said, I understand like behind the scenes is Sarah D'Amato doing the, doing the work. And I'm sure there's a countless other people that we don't know. However, and of course the athletes themselves, the women athletes themselves, but why is he the face? Why is he synonymous with it? Well, I think that, oh, mm-hmm. go ahead. Go ahead. well, I think that the reason why we're having that is because he is like the godfather NXT. And NXT is really what I think changed the landscape of what we recognize as women's wrestling in WWE. Now, like if it wasn't for Paige, Charlotte, Becky, Sasha, Bailey, Ember, Oscar, like all of them being in NXT and him giving them the reins, like he let them have an Iron Woman's match. Mm-hmm. Like he let them take the reins of their matches and with Sarah plan out some excellent shows. And so I think he gets the one that gets the credit because NXT is his baby and he's still doing that work. Like a lot of these women that we're going to watch the Megan classic are going to be a part of the NXT UK show. Mm-hmm. And he's putting them on our television now so that we can get accustomed to seeing them um, when they do launch the UK brand. So I think he gets a lot of that credit because NXT is his and he, without, him kind of saying and agreeing like if Charlotte and you know Natty want to have this drag out match or if Charlotte and Sasha and Bailey and Becky want to have this four horsemen thing going and have these drag out matches you know at these takeover shows or even on our regular weekly NXT shows 
and build this women's title to be what it is, if he doesn't sign off on that, we don't get this. And Stephanie isn't that much involved with the NXT shows. So I don't think she gets to have that same say. So I think that's why when they do stuff on the main roster, she's the one who delivers the message because Vince isn't going to come out there and deliver it. (laughs) So it kind of has to be that thing. But Triple H gets a lot of that plug because, I mean, NXT is his baby. And all of these female wrestlers, these women's wrestlers that we love, who are on the main roster now, a lot of them that, you know, weren't in the WWE prior, like Naomi and all of them, like, they came from NXT and they had these great matches in NXT and they're still having great matches on the main roster when they're given the time and, like, the right storyline and stuff. So, I don't think, it doesn't bother me so much because he does give a lot of props to Sarah. Like, he does make a point to be like, look, I can't do this without her. Um, but I, I don't have a problem with him taking credit for the fact that this evolution is kind of his, just because he made NXT what it is. See, so if I'm hearing you correctly, you're drawing the line directly from like like the women's evolution to NXT, which is his, which is Triple H's baby, right? Okay, so for me, that's part of my question. But when I think of Triple H, I'm thinking. Uh, DX, I'm thinking the click, I'm thinking all these other things of his career that I've seen, including the blue blood and all of that from the attitude era, including some of the racist stuff he did. Cause I will never forget that blackface crap or yeah. forgive it. Yeah. However, out of that legacy of wrestling, what he is known for now is women's wrestling. So it's like, when did that happen where he's synonymous with it? And that, and, and, you know, like as far as a legacy goes, if you did the, a documentary on Triple H's life or Jean-Paul Levesque's life, how much of it will be women's wrestling? How much of it will be the click? How much of it will be DX? How much of it will be the blue blood or whatever else? And so that's kind of where I was really going from it. Like, when did he become synonymous with it and why not separate the character of Triple H, the wrestler, from Jean Paul Levesque? Um, I think, oh, go ahead. Let me jump in. When I first started watching NXT, you know what drew me to NXT? Because I heard about two people Charlotte Flair and Sasha Banks. And so that was the drawing point was, hey, they got some really good women's wrestling going on down in NXT. So that drew me in to check it out. I think what Halisa was trying to say is NXT's version of women's wrestling is the version of women's wrestling that all women have wanted to see on television. Where it's, hey, they're pure wrestling. They can do just as many things as the guys Flips, ropes, the matches, all that type of stuff. So all that type of stuff started with NXT and with Triple H being the face of NXT, then he kind of got grandfathered into being the champion of this women's wrestling because it was a major part of the television shows, not just the takeovers. But when I first started watching it, the Charlotte uh, Sasha Banks was like the one of the biggest storylines on the show and you know Sasha trying to chase Charlotte to get the belt and then being they started out as the BFFs and then they had a breakup and then that led to them having their title matches and Sasha eventually 
you know, becoming the champion and Charlotte moving on. And then, of course, we get Sasha and Bailey. And I think when they had, which was considered the match of the year for all wrestling at Brooklyn Takeover between Sasha and Bailey, then I think that's when everybody was like, okay, Triple H is making this happen. It was the main event of the of the takeover that's happened a couple of times. It's the best match in wrestling all year. So the props has to go to Triple H. And I think that's kind of how he got grandfathered into being the quote unquote face of women's wrestling. And I also think that like as wrestling fans, people who watch NXT and watch WWE, they have two different views of Triple H. They have NXT Triple H. Like I love NXT Triple H. I used to watch takeovers just so that he could come out and do like the cut the promo before the show because he was just he made you be like, I wanna watch this. Um, and then there's Triple H that we see that's the authority. And a lot of people don't like that Triple H. But we love NXT Triple H because NXT Triple H gave us, like Don said, Charlotte and Sasha and Sasha and Bailey in the, you know, the main event of TakeOver, which never happens. And he let them actually wrestle and do the things that the guys do better than the guys in a lot of situations. And he continues to give us that. Yep. And he's continuing to develop that. Like Rhea Ripley, he's had a, he's had a hold of her for a whole year in NXT, and allowing her to grow and develop because he saw her, you know, on the May Young Classic, and was like, "Yo, that girl is talented. She just needs to be home." Like he is a good eye for talent, and he's a good eye for women's talent, and he's allowing those women in NXT to put on matches that hell we still don't necessarily get on the main roster. Yep. So the future is bright if whenever Vince decides that he wants to step away and give Triple H the reins to the whole kingdom. I think the enjoyment of the wrestling fans will definitely go up because Triple H, he watches other wrestling outside of WWE and he's aware of people outside of WWE. And so that allows him to always keep NXT fresh. Whereas Vince only watches what's his own product, so he doesn't have any point of reference for what else is going on or what else is out there. And I think that's the difference between NXT and main roster is that NXT just is more current with the pacing of the matches and the stories and and what the guys are allowed to do. So I think that's kind of where Triple H, that's where he's kind of benefited from not being so not being so caught up in the just WWE only bubble that he's into a lot of other wrestling as well. So Yeah, like he even missed the guys because I think Velveteen they said was just at like Evolve a couple of weeks ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then I think um Mustache Mountain and the Bruiserweight, they always get to go back and do like progress or PWG. Like he lets them go back to their, you know, stomping grounds and their indie shows and their indie by pay-per-view type deals and wrestle and be involved and they don't have to necessarily cut those ties and he he's writing these kind of contracts where it's like all right so you are employed by wwe full-time so we need you gotta come but if you want to go wrestle for progress or pwg or evolve hell you might be able to like eventually be able to do TNA or ROH or New Japan, we're okay with that. Like, he's giving them the Chris Jericho deal, but letting them defend their titles against people in other, you know, territories and stuff like that, it's legit. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they they have a working relationship with a few of these um, higher in indie companies. So anytime you see a WWE guy going back to uh, evolve or something, they've got some type of partnership. It's not just off the blue. So they are affiliated with WWE in, in a loose capacity. But yeah, I think with um, with what All In tried to show everybody is that, hey, it would be cool if we could get everybody to kind of intermingle and play with each other and not have such set, you know, boundaries set up where, oh, if you're in the WWE, there's no way you could wrestle a guy in TNA or anything like that. The only difference is it depends on if it's like a neutral TV, then it can work. But when it comes to like whose television it on is on, that's when all the politics get in and who's going to lose and who's going to win. And that's what kind of clouds it up. But if you can kind of keep it in a neutral thing like all in was, then I think that, you know, it would definitely lead to something that could be really cool in the future. I don't know how much of that Triple H is going to try to incorporate if he does get a chance. But as long as Vince is running the show, that won't happen. So, you know, once you get to WWE, (laughs) that's where you're at and you won't be showing up anywhere else. At least that's televised anyway, um, outside of that. So, but that's a very interesting question. Thanks for bringing that up. Jupiter Jewel. Good content. Talk about Triple H. So, um, I've been your host, Don DeLorente. I've been joined by Jupiter Julep and Madame Lizette. You can follow them both on Twitter. You can also follow me on Twitter at Don DeLorente. And so until next week, this has been episode one of the Forever Young cast. You can check us out each and every week after the May Young Classic. Don't treat me like a woman. Don't treat me like a man. Don't treat me like an old man. Treat me for just who I am.